Here we go with another episode in 168 Things We've Learned About Creative Marketing. And yet again, I'm on my own because Chalice is still demolishing a house somewhere. It turns out it takes more than a week to do that, especially when you have to pack up 650 pairs of shoes and innumerable items of clothing. So I'm going solo once again, and hopefully it will turn out well. You can let me know. When we entered lockdown or when the pandemic kicked off, there were a whole bunch of ads that appeared in various media talking about togetherness and all manner of such sentiments. Every brand did the same kind of ad and there was a parody compilation on YouTube, which you may have seen. It was very charming, very sweet, and it had no brand differentiation whatsoever. People were using the exact same words to talk about what their brand could offer. I guess everyone was frightened and it felt like a good idea and that's perfectly forgivable. The next thing that happened was people started throwing things. Togetherness seemed to fall apart. There were riots, statues being hurled into harbours, things like that. And a good thing too, in that particular instance. So what are we going to do now? Marketing is what we're here to talk about rather than politics. The togetherness that was expressed in those innumerable ads was very lovely, as I've said but it doesn't help much with brand differentiation. And throwing things probably isn't the best strategy for a brand either. We all found out during lockdown who were the essential workers and who were not. And it was pretty clear that during that time, marketers were not included on the list of essential workers. But now is our moment, because getting the economy going again is going to be important for everyone, and marketing really does have a very large role to play in this obviously. So, the temptation, of course, for marketers with very small, shrunken budgets is to do a couple of things. One, squeeze their creative suppliers as hard as they can to get the most value. Again, perfectly understandable, but possibly counterproductive. However, I'm not going to make that argument because I'm probably going to be accused of special pleading. The second thing is, go for something safe. That will be the temptation that many marketers will succumb to in the coming weeks and months. And it's a terrible idea. Let's talk about why. I'm a firm believer that you can learn as a creative and as a marketer from what other creative people in other industries do. And I was really inspired by conversations that I had with my mother-in-law, who was an architect. Architects, obviously, are highly creative and their work is very visible, and we live amongst their creative ideas, in effect. They're all around us. One of the things that I learned about from my mother-in-law was the concept of the parti. The parti is the idea that expresses exactly the character of your design. She explained this to me by making a drawing. She got a piece of paper and she drew a line across it. Here is the shape of the land, she said. And here is the course of the sun. And here are the other buildings. And she sketched them in with very deft, single strokes. And then she made a bold stroke across the paper and said, and this is the parti for the building I propose. Now, the word itself comes from the French partir, meaning to divide or to split. What it really means in architecture is to take a position. And you need to take a position if you want to design a great building you need to express a belief. And I think the same goes for all creative work, including marketing and advertising in all its forms. 
And this is where it goes wrong. Taking a position means standing for something, not standing for nothing much. It means having an attitude, not bending with the wind. It means accepting you're not for all markets, rather than trying to please everyone. And it certainly means not doing the same as everyone else. This is the essence of branding, clearly. Standing out from the crowd, being different. Meaning something. It can be a bit frightening, though, and in times such as now, when everything is a bit frightening, the temptation is to play it safe. And the risk, of course, of taking a position is that you you, you run the risk of, of putting some people off. You will alienate them. Well, I think actually that's a good thing. Because if you try to please everyone, you end up pleasing no one. And worse than that, you will no longer be desirable. It looks like desperation, and that's never attractive. But this is what happens all too often in advertising. Instead of drawing a parti, expressing a belief, stating a single, clear idea, an exercise in groupthink takes place, and the result is inoffensive pap. As an example, we once sent a brief to a client with a proposition as follows. I'm taking it here that the proposition is more or less the equivalent of the parti, or at least that it should be. We have a a podcast planned later on in the series entitled The Creative Brief is the First Creative Act, and I would argue that the proposition is the centrepiece of that. And if anyone's in any doubt about what a proposition is, I think we all know one kind of proposition, but in marketing and advertising... We could simply say that it is a promise of a brand's benefits to its customers. In any event, the proposition that I'm talking about now was as follows. Squeeze more out of your savings. The client said thank you and went away to think about it. And then they came back with a small change. Get more out of your savings. There's only one word, but it's a huge difference. Squeeze is concrete, emotive, suggestive, it's human, it leads to all kinds of creative ideas. Get is abstract, bland, inoffensive, and fails to ignite a single thought. Squeeze has a smell to it. Get has none, or it's air freshener at best. When I was a child learning to write get or got, was one of the words that we weren't allowed to use, precisely because it's such a bland word. Squeeze takes a position, get does not. With this one small change, the entire party had been rubbed out. There's nothing to distinguish the client from all the others. So what happens next, typically, is that the creatives put the idea back in it and come up with concepts that have the emotional power to separate this client from the other brands in their market. All is not lost because good creatives can refine mud into clay and use it to make bricks with which to build a beautiful building. They can, and they do, but they will be subjected to a further test. The client will look at the concepts and admire them, but when asked why they can no longer see the proposition in the creative work. The client said, I love the building you have made with these bricks, but I can't see the mud anymore. Did you use the mud we approved? They didn't literally say that, but that is pretty much what lay behind the comments that they made. Where's our mud? At this point, the battle was lost. Everyone goes back to the agency, having promised to make up more ideas with the approved mud, which will be visible to the client. And 
everyone's only got themselves to blame, really, because when you let the client change the proposition and take the emotion out of it, you rubbed out the party and you can no longer cause offence or have any emotional response to your work at all. I was uh, training some people on brief writing a while ago and we went over this topic in some detail and at the end of it one of the planners said, oh I see, what you're saying is that every single word that we write down is important. Yes, that is exactly what I was saying then and what I'm saying now and when you've decided what those words should be and you think they're going to stimulate the most exciting creative work, if the client then tries to fiddle around with them, you need to have a discussion about that. Though probably don't start throwing things much as you might be tempted to. There's a lot more to be said about creative briefs, and we'll come back to that in some future podcasts. And there's also a lot more to be said about creativity, clearly, and we'll be coming back to that too. One of the things that gets talked about a lot now is storytelling, and I can assure you that storytelling does not remove the need for a party, but it does call for some other things, and we're going to talk about that next time. Okay, I can hear a distant rumbling sound, which may be the house that Chalice is demolishing, falling to the ground, or it might just be thunder. It's hard to know at this point. Anyway, I think the next podcast will be another solo effort, but we'll soon be welcoming Chalice back with her remarkable views on everything. Until then, thank you for listening to this podcast. It's been a pleasure. The music was written and performed by William Kitkat. This has been a further episode in 168 Things We've Learned About Creative Marketing and we think you might find useful too. If you enjoyed it, subscribe, give us a rating, write a review. We'd also love to hear from you. All right, until next time, bye. Bye.